I'll invite you to join me in, in our corporate prayer time this morning. We've heard of what's going on in the life of the church with the women getting together again with what's going on in Fiji with the calluses. Uh, and there's so much more that's going on uh, in our own lives that we bring when we come to meet together. Uh, maybe you've, you're dealing with things in your own life or you have people in your life that you're bringing on your heart this morning. And when we all meet together in prayer, we're bringing all of that, all the facets of our lives together before the Lord. So let's uh, join with me in prayer and I might just pause a few times just for you to... Um, be in silence with the Lord and bring anything that you have before him. So let's pray together. Lord, you are a holy, holy, holy God, God in three persons, who invites us in to your holy of holies through the blood of the, the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ. We approach your throne of grace boldly now, Father, because of what you have achieved, because of what you have done for us in sending your Son, because of your love. And we bring all that we are and all that we do and all the people that we have contact with, we we stand here as, as sit here as representatives of all of that, all that our lives entail, and bring all of that before you. And we ask now that your spirit, as you are present with us, would bring to mind particular people or situations that you would like us to intercede for in silence just now. And we pray that your spirit would be working within us to give us a heart that is in line with yours, in line with your will, in those situations and for those people. Let's just bring them before the Lord now. Thank you, Lord, for the peace that is in this room, the peace that comes from you when we come to you and lay our burdens down before you and acknowledge that you are God and we are not. We pray that this peace would continue as we sit in your presence and receive from you through uh, dear brothers Andrew and Dan, as they bring your word, and we ask that you would fill them with that peace as they speak to us, and the trust we trust that your word will not return void, your, your word will do what you want it to do in our lives. We pray this in the name of our, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So I just get the first load up. Thanks, guys. Well, good morning. Uh, we're breaking a 45-year streak this morning of me not preaching. <laughs> so, um, I hope it makes sense. The good news is Andrew Langmaid's following up so he can correct all my mistakes. 
Um, but yeah, I wanted to talk to you this morning about what does it mean to remain engaged with the uh, kingdom life that we have. So I'm, I'm truly, truly challenged by this notion. It's been um, a journey for me, and I want to share a bit about my journey um, in my Christian walk. And um, yeah, because I think what happens is we um, engage something new and exciting, um, but then we can quickly, uh, you know, get disengaged with those things. For me, um, I'm a bit of a computer nerd. I love my technology. Right now, um, if you have heard of artificial intelligence, it's uh, this new exciting thing, and I'm, I'm fully invested in it. I really find it um, quite fascinating. And so if you haven't heard, uh, AI, it's uh, this sort of language model. It allows you to talk um, with a computer and uh, have this amazing dialogue and learn all these things. Um, but uh, it can also create amazing images. And so you can just simply create a prompt and say, hey, give me a photo of Moses at the Red Sea taking a selfie. And so here we have... <laughs> if you didn't know, Moses had a mobile phone, right? But this is completely generated by a computer. It's, a, it's truly remarkable. Um, and I find that fascinating. And so I'm engaged. I'm really interested in AI. Um, of course, they were escaping the, um, the, the plagues of the, de of the desert in, the, in Egypt. And so... Technology comes along and you can be super engaged and excited by it. I certainly am. But you can also be afraid of it. You can be fearful of it and you don't want to engage. Um, and so I find that there's this sort of... Um, there's this process of being... Seeing and experiencing new miraculous things and then um, ending up completely committed and excited to it. But then later, find yourself completely disengaged and complacent. And that's really weird, isn't it? Like something that was so magical and, and new becoming old very quickly. And so we, we see the, the uh, uh, Israelites exiting um, from Egypt and they've had probably the most miraculous experiences of their life. Some of the most crazy stories that we can see in the Bible. They fled the army, they part the sea, um, they go through the desert, they're provided food, they have pure water to drink. They're led by a cloud of fire and smoke, and then they end up at this mountain that's literally trembling with God's presence, right? And so how can they abandon God in that? How can they? That just seems ridiculous. And so I say, Lord, I'll never do that. And the Holy Spirit gets his little hook in and goes, oh, yes, you do. <laughs> so let's read um, the next bit from Exodus, just after they've created this calf. Um, and as you can see here, when they came near the camp, uh, Moses saw the calf and the dancing and he burned with anger. He threw the stone tablets to the ground, smashing them at the foot of the mountain. He took the calf they had made and burned it. Then he ground it into powder, threw it into the water and forced the people to drink it. Finally, he turned to Aaron and demanded, what did these people do to you to make you bring such terrible sin upon them? Don't get so upset, my lord, Aaron replied, for you yourself know how evil these people are. They said to me, Make us gods who will lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. So it's incredible to me. We think of um, the Exodus story, you know, 40 years in the desert. Well, how long do you think it was between the Red Sea and this? Well, um, according to my research, it was about three months. So three months are the most miraculous, amazing experiences of God. And they're turning their back on him, abandoning him completely, which is just mind-boggling. And so I think in uh, 
my journey of life, I've had a pretty comfortable experience of life, and so I was looking for other stories. What can I relate to? Because I haven't experienced slavery. I haven't experienced anything like that. And so when we think of um, the story of King Solomon, I can relate to him a little bit better. Someone who has had all the, all the comfort in life, um, and it took him quite a, uh, quite a time before he sort of turned his back on God. And if you know the story, uh, God warned him, don't marry people from a different land. They'll pull you away. And so here's the story from, um, from 1 Kings. So the Lord had clearly instructed the people of Israel, you must not marry them because they will turn your hearts to their gods. Yet Solomon insisted on loving them anyway. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines. And in fact, they did turn his heart away from the Lord. In Solomon's old age, they turned his heart to worship other gods instead of being completely faithful to the Lord his God, as his father David had been. So it's incredible that even with all his wealth, all his comfort, all his kingdom experience, um, Solomon ended up making it about himself. So I can relate to Solomon, except for the 700 wives, of course. Um, <laughs> one is enough. I get to the... Uh, I get to the weekend and Jess tells me all the things that I've forgotten that we're supposed to be doing that weekend. <laughs> you can imagine that um, times 700, right? Um, hey, uh, Solomon, you know we've got to erect that idol to Satan this weekend. You haven't forgotten, have you? And um, yeah, he's like, what? I don't remember that. And so he's sort of been dragged along into this experience and, and turned his back on God. So it is remarkable. So I wanted to share a bit about my journey, my experience in the Christian faith. Um, it's not a remarkable testimony, but I was 12 and I got baptised and I had this hunger to seek God's righteousness, to, you know, really experience his love. Um, and I hadn't, hadn't got it quite right. I um, spent the next years, year 8, year 9, 10, you know, teenage years, quite difficult, puffing out the chest as a young boy, trying to make my mark um, and at the same time painfully aware that I kept falling short of God and um, his standard. So what happened is I ended up at a youth group camp and I was out the front and um, the pastor said, come out if you want prayer for your life and you want to have direction in your life. So, okay, well, I'll go out the front, a bit reluctant. Um, but he laid his hand on me and in that moment, um, the, it's like the heavens opened and God's spirit just fell down on me and it just blew my mind, blew my mind. And I can't actually explain how amazing that experience was, but it's something that I've gripped onto and I can turn to. It's a miraculous moment. And I was praying, uh, it was funny, I was praying and I felt like this other guy joined us and he started praying in this African language. And I was like, I don't remember an African guy being here. And the pastor said, I'll speak it out. And I was like, what? There's no guy here, it was me. I was praying in this new, new language and it just was flowing out. And I was like, wow, this is incredible. And, um, yeah, so the Holy Spirit had shown up and transformed my life. And in that moment, in that experience, I was just enthusiastic to share and to, and to tell everyone about God. And so, yeah, did it last. Um, well, when I hit, you know, my 20s, um, I, I, I guess my, my theology refined and I started to understand grace and the goodness of his kingdom and how I was covered by it. But it wasn't until probably my 30s that I became more complacent and comfortable because of that grace. It's a, it's a wonderful thing, but it's a two-edged sword. And so what happens is I find there's this wedge that we find ourselves in, this kingdom living. So in the centre, we've got this engaged and expected 
um, enthusiastic zone, which I found myself in naturally after experiencing him. But um, if it's, you know, sin or things that pull us apart, we can become ashamed and fearful and anxious and we slide off to one side. But for me, living in the security of grace and having a pretty comfortable middle-class life, um, I've become complacent and apathetic. And it's still, a, it's still a struggle today, it really is. And I'm wondering if, if you feel the same. And when you look back at that centre and you think, I want to be engaged and expectant again, um, I found that I was like waiting for God to show up. And I'd say, Lord, show up again. Give me that miraculous moment so I can experience you. And it actually was um, incorrect theology. It was a thinking that I needed the Lord to show up to be engaged. But actually, he's calling us to be engaged and experience him. And so it can go both ways. And so if you're feeling complacent and apathetic, you might look and, t- and start to beat yourself up. And then you'll jump from one side to the other. And you end up on the other side of the ditch, which isn't great. So we want to live in the centre and we want to have an engaged kingdom life. Uh, recently, Jess and I went to Sydney for a wedding. It was really, really nice. We flew there and uh, I just realised I sort of arrived and hadn't even thought two, two hoots about how I'm going to get to this wedding. And uh, here's the old street directory. I'm surprised they still make them, by the way, 2023. And um, my mum tells me she still uses hers, so I wasn't, you know, that shocked. Um, but we got there and I punched in the address and we just got on our way and drove down, right? And so in the old days, I used to, you know, get the street directory out, you'd plan it, you're right? You go down six lanes of traffic, you're hoping to find the right sign. You'd allow another half hour, an hour to make sure you can do some U-turns when you get it wrong. And so I sort of, it gripped, gripped me that when Google Maps first came out, I was the chief evangelist for that product. I went around telling everyone, you've got to look at Google Maps, punch in your address, there's your house, isn't it amazing? And, and it's just funny how this has become so integrated in my life that I've completely forgotten it and taken it for granted. And so the old street directory, um, I'm very thankful I don't have to use it anymore because it's just it's transformed how we go on trips. Um, but it's a mirror of my faith in that I need to be remembering and engaged of what that goodness is to truly appreciate it. So I come to um, Matthew uh, 6, where Jesus is giving his sermon about seeking the kingdom. And we need to seek the kingdom. But really importantly as well is this living of righteousness, which I think I happily forgot. So in a moment of worry and worrying about the world, we, we can grab onto this verse and seek his kingdom. But it's the righteous living that I'd forgotten about, that I'd taken for granted, and I just sort of waited for God to show up to bring me back to centre. And I wanted to experience and have that engaged kingdom life. I think we all do, right? We want to live that happy experience that we've had. Um, but waiting for God to show up or do the miraculous is certainly not a bad thing, but it's not the only thing. So James says it really well. Come close to God and God will come close to you. And this was really important for me and it continues to be important for me today to have that kingdom perspective. And this, is, this next bit's just me all over. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your, your loyalty is divided between God and the world. And so the reality was I experienced and enjoyed middle-class life a little bit too much and tried to balance all of that. And so it's, it's still a struggle. You've got to remain in God and remember what's true 
for me, um, and you, know, you browse through social media and, and the whole world, it tells us that we should be guided by our feelings, not absolute truths, which is wrong. There's absolute truths that we can pour ourselves into, which is God's love and his grace. So let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honour, which is fantastic because it's something I needed to hear and remind myself of. So I just wanted to finish on how do you remain in the kingdom? How do you physically do that? Well, yeah, God will show up and he'll give you the miraculous um, from time to time. But the first step for me was remembering what he'd done for me, remembering his goodness. So if there's a point in your life or you're yet to have one, um, seek after it and remember it. There's a group here, the contemplation group, which is wonderful. The team um, get together and they make space to remember God's goodness. And um, in our busy lives, I find that incredibly difficult. So you actually have to do it, make the space, remember the good times. Uh, I told you, I think, when I was leading that I've started reading my Bible a bit more earnestly. Um, doesn't come naturally. And I needed accountability to, fo- to follow that through. And I'm, yeah, last week, halfway through the Bible, which is probably the best I've done in one go, and I've got some brothers who are keeping me accountable. So we have the app and you go through the plan each day and you can write a comment. Just that act of accountability is so, so important. Um, last week, Kathy shared on fellowship. She talked about worshipping um, vertically and horizontally. And we turned and we faced each other and we saw each other's face and it was quite confronting that we're in this together as a body. God has a church for a purpose and that's to keep each other accountable and edifying each other so that we continue on the journey and can remain in that centre zone. And so don't discount the importance of attending church regularly. Don't discount the importance of getting together and holding each other accountable. It's uh, for our benefit. And again, this isn't about earning God's favour. It's about experiencing and enjoying what he's given us in that centre point. Finally, the discipline bit. Mm, Discipline. Um, My mum is a great encourager for me to lose weight and eat well. Yeah, and I need to do a lot better yet. (laughs) But um, discipline is an interesting word because it can cause all sorts of emotions, right? Um, For me, uh, I I had this, as I said, a perception that there's a spiritual health that I was just lazy in and relying on God to come and get me fit. But my mum doesn't drag me out of bed and make me go to the gym. Maybe you should, mum. But there's this discipline process that I need to actually get fit, and I need to get fit both physically and spiritually. So the discipline comes in out of a... a of a want and a habit to actually grow in God's word. And so um, make time for reading the word. Actually set time apart. Like you have to actually do the work. It's not work to earn salvation. It's work to enjoy his kingdom and experience his love. Um, Yeah, so it comes back to this verse, seeking the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. The righteous part's important and he will give you everything you need. So I just wanted to close with prayer for us. You know, as we're on our journey, perhaps you're feeling like you've slid off the side of that wedge into a place where you're uncomfortable and you want to get back or you're waiting for God to show up. Um, I want to encourage you to, to, yeah, push into the Lord and push into what he's saying to you today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just 
I just thank you that you've done it all on the cross and that the experience of you and the joy of you is what pulls us towards you. But I want to ask, Lord, that you help us open our minds to the steps we can take to press into what you're doing, to see your kingdom living experienced firsthand, that, Lord, that you will guide us, that you will drive us, that we will enjoy experiencing all your goodness. Correct our thinking when we sit back and watch. Help us to keep each other accountable and love one another. I pray, Father, that habits will form, that we will become edified through your participation. And so it's a relationship that we're ultimately after, Lord. We want to invest in the relationship with you and experience your kingdom firsthand. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks very much. (laughs) Thanks, Mike. Over to the. Thanks, Dan. Well, thank you, Dan. That was just awesome. Um, wow, like really practical. And I just kind of wanted to sit there and think about what you said and not have to say anything else. But it's really good, really good. And uh, keep that card there ready, the mic. I need, need the encouragement. And nice to have Sam and Joe with us today as well. Fantastic that you guys can be here. Well, um, just before I get started, we were worshipping at the start, and I had this sense that um, as we're talking about the kingdom today, I I get the sense that God's going to be putting people on on your heart, um, people that you might be thinking aren't in the kingdom, people you're not sure what's going to happen to them when they die. And... um, at the end of today, that's what I'd like to pray about with people. Um, and I know for me, I'm, I'm thinking of some people, some family members. I'm thinking, gee, you know, like, I want to pray for those people. And I was listening to someone um, speaking the other day on a podcast, and they were saying that um, they grew up in a Christian home, but then they got to their late teens, early 20s, and kind of drifted away. But they knew that their mum was praying for them, and whilst that mum was praying, and she wasn't making a secret, she was saying, I'm praying for you, you know, I'm praying. And she was really praying for this person. And the guy who was speaking said that he knew that she was praying for him because he was going to nightclubs and he was doing all these things, but he was miserable. He was doing sinful things, but he couldn't find any pleasure in it. And it's just everything was just turning bad. All the sinful stuff was just falling flat. And at the end, he came to the end of himself thought, what am I doing all this for when I know, I know God's good? So, you know, as we're praying for people today, let's just not pray like, oh, God, please, you know, we know you love this person. It's like, if they're caught up in something, make them miserable. You know, make them hate, make them hate that. Like, you know, bring them to the end of themselves so that they turn to you. Um, so that's what I'd like to pray about at the end. So if, as I'm speaking, maybe someone's popped into your mind that you'd like to pray with me about or just with somebody else. Okay, so um, <clears throat> when I was asked to speak today about the kingdom of God, I started looking up what the Bible has to say about it. And as I'm sure you know, uh, there's so many verses about the kingdom of God that I was unsure where to start. So I started in Matthew as many of my Bible reading plans have. And uh, the first verse I read it was Matthew 4.23, where it's written, Jesus went throughout Galilee, 
teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. And it struck me, what was this good news of the kingdom of God that Jesus was proclaiming? Nowadays, when we think of the good news or the gospel, we tend to think about the message of forgiveness of sins um, through Jesus dying on the cross. But what was Jesus getting at here? Because this was before he went to the cross. So my short message today is a focus on this good news of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom of God. You know, what is good about the kingdom of God and how can this affect our lives now? Well, immediately after this passage, Matthew goes into the Beatitudes and tells us that entrance into God's kingdom is available for the poor in spirit, the meek, those who want what's right, the merciful, the pure, those who are persecuted for standing up for what's right. And he contrasts this with the Pharisees' self-righteousness and hypocrisy, with the people who recognise their spiritual poverty, those people that know that they're not perfect, they're not righteous, that they sin, and they often feel hopeless and weak. And Jesus gives hope to those who stand up for what's right. In this world where the wicked can prosper and where evil is sometimes called good and good is sometimes called evil, a man might ask himself, what's the point in doing right? What's the point in being honest and upright and truthful? Is there any reward for being righteous? Well, Jesus goes on in Matthew 5 and he says, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So Jesus tells us to, to bear up under this persecution, knowing that you will be rewarded eventually. He goes on to say, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So, as we know, Jesus says this famous, uh, famous verse in the context of telling people not to worry. Don't be anxious. Don't worry about what you need to eat or drink or wear um, or your shelter. You know, God knows that you need all these things. But God wants us to prioritise living by the values of the kingdom of God over survival instincts. Survival instincts are selfish and brutal. Take our cat, for example. Um, he's currently having a little holiday in the uh, Chandler's Hill cattery because we're going away tomorrow, so he's going to have a little week hanging out with all his cat friends. And um, <laughs> our cat, it, we've only had him for six months, and he loves Heidi. I think Heidi's the favourite. We all know it. He goes up and he cuddles her and he loves to get patted and he spends so long with her. But then two minutes later, when she's walking down the stairs, he just runs out and grabs her leg and bites it. And he's, he's just a little bit of a... Like he, he's just living by instincts. You just see. 
And so just animals, wild animals, you know, they just live by instincts. They live in the moment. When they're scared, they just lash out, regardless of what they were doing 30 seconds ago. And Jesus says, you know, the Gentiles, they worry about all this stuff. They're always worrying about, you know, money, food, clothing, just living moment by moment. But Jesus says, you know, prioritise living by the values of the kingdom of God over survival instincts. I think we need to take a step back sometimes in the daily things we're doing and think, what is God's kingdom? Uh, what is the value that should come first here before just looking out for myself and people around us? Because in Luke, Jesus even said, Fear not, little flock, for it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So we can relax and we can trust that God knows what we need and put the values and ways of the kingdom of God first in our lives because this is going to be an everlasting kingdom. As it says in Romans 14.7, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. But just as I was feeling happy about these verses, I came across some rather fearful and solemn verses on the kingdom. Matthew 7, 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Matthew 10, 25, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And then think about the sheep and the goats. In Matthew 25, Jesus said, telling the story, um, that God will say, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Now, who does he say this to? Not to people who did something wrong, but people who didn't do anything. They turned away from the needy and neglected the poor. So Jesus proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God. But you've got to make, make sure you're on the right side of it, because it's bad news if you want to be evil and wicked. Matthew 13, 41. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will remove from his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. The kingdom of God is good news because it is ruled by an all-powerful and perfectly fair and just king. When I teach my year six class um, about types of government, and we always talk about differences between democracies and autocracies, and uh, it always reminds me of that old saying by Lord Acton in 1887, who said, power tends to corrupt, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Our system of government, which comes from uh, England and a mixture with America, you know, the separation of powers, we try and make sure that power doesn't get in one man's hand. It needs to be spread between the parliament, the courts, and the executive uh, arm of government. Because somewhere along the line, someone was clever enough to go, you can't just give power to one man. It, it just tends to end, end badly. And we see that in the Book of Kings and Chronicles. But even in the world today, think about dictatorships. 
Think about those countries where uh, if you say anything against the leader, you'll find yourself in jail. And all of the terrible things that happen to the people. But I'm often reminded that Jesus is the perfect king. He's known as the Prince of Peace. So this is good news about the kingdom because it's not a democracy. We don't get to go up there and have elections and get your sausage and bread and have a vote. Um, There's a king. There's a king who rules, but he rules perfectly and he rules justly. He doesn't doesn't make a mistake. And so that's a different way of thinking about how society would be governed by a perfect king. Trustworthy. Get it right 100% of the time. Always be just. God's kingdom won't have evil in it. The devil and his angels, sickness and disease, death, and even our fallen sinful nature will be banished and only purity will remain. Do you see sin in the world and wish it was removed? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Do you wish to see right things and ways of living flourishing in the world? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are you, because ultimately you'll be satisfied. And you know, that reassures me sometimes. I know I'm not perfect, and listen to Dan talking about discipline and come draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. And I think, gee, I don't do that as much as I wish I did. But you know, deep inside, I really wish that everything was righteous and good. You know, I'd, you think about treachery and betrayal and, and just all the horrible things that happen in the world. Wouldn't it be wonderful if it wasn't like that? You know, if, if you thirst and hunger for that, Jesus says that you're blessed. And finally, God's kingdom is good news because although we know it's going to be fully revealed and consummated in the future, you know, evil and death will end, it's already affecting the world now and has been for thousands of years. Those who accept the rule and reign of the king and follow him in obedience are already living in this kingdom with a delegated authority to enforce the king's authority upon evil. Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He didn't say, your kingdom will come, you know, one day far off in the future, we look forward to that. But that we should be asking the Lord to bring the effect of his kingdom rule upon the earth today. Some of you might remember a video series called Transformations, came out about 20 years ago, and it, amazing videos talking about um, when missionaries went into certain countries, often, um, you know, like a village kind of setting uh, in some of these countries that had never heard about Jesus before, and when they went in there and they preached and people got converted and churches formed and whole revivals happened in countries. And what was amazing in those videos was um, showing how when there was this huge turning to Christ, thousands and tens of thousands of people, very quickly, it didn't take too long before the institutions of that society were transformed and you start to see uh, less crime in certain cities and you start to see... um, the, the needy and the disabled and the, and the helpless looked after more and just good things start to happen and you start to see the effect of the kingdom of God upon society. 
And that's what can happen, I think. And I think our, our first call is to be obedient to God and, and to share his word with people because as we go about and share the gospel and Jesus transforms people's hearts one by one, people get together and thirst for righteousness and then we see an effect, a kingdom effect on society. You know, if you try and from the other direction, you think, right, we're going to rise up and take political power and then we're going to force righteousness, it always ends in corruption and, and, and destruction. Not that I'm against, you know, having a, a say in a democracy. I think we should. But I think when you watch those videos about transformations, you see, you know, crime rates go down in areas where um, the church is flourishing, which is just incredible. So just as I wrap up, um, worship team, if you'd like to make your way forward. We just finished a series on Acts, and the very last verse states that Paul, you know, he remained in Rome, and it says that he, he proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. And so I pray that we can be like Paul, who not only taught about the Lord Jesus, but also proclaimed the kingdom of God. That the king will reign and remove all evil from his kingdom. And let's help people to be on the right side of that judgment one day. Let's encourage them to repent and accept the free gift of forgiveness that God offers to all. So like I said, I did have a sense at the start that thinking about this kingdom which God is affecting through us today, but we know ultimately is going to end up with this amazing kingdom with no evil. And, but it, Jesus does say he's going to remove everything that's evil from his kingdom. So we don't want people who um, are caught up in deception and evil because, you know, I just pray that we can pray today and really believe that God's going to um, intervene in some amazing ways in their lives. If they're sinning, if they're into something which is wrong, take all the pleasure out of it. If they're not being confronted with the good news, if they're not seeing grace, may they see an example of that, whether it's through you or someone else. Because there's an enemy out there who wants to keep people in darkness. He wants to suppress the truth in all unrighteousness, it says. That's why we don't see good news stories on the news. That's why we just see who's going to court, who's going to the magistrate's court this week for stealing a car. That's all you get on the news. And then you get some bombing. So the devil's just like, well, let's just make everyone depressed constantly and never hear any of the good, wonderful things that are happening in the world because he wants to suppress the truth. So let's pray against that. Let's break that in Jesus' name. Let's enforce the king's authority over people's lives in Jesus' name. You know, I believe we have that power. Jesus says it. You know, not prepared for going on about this, this side of things, but I believe it. So let's just pray together. Um, I'll be down here at the front. Dan will be here as well. We'd love to pray for you. And uh, if it's just someone on your heart, let's pray together. Let's stand. Where two or three are gathered, there I am in the midst. And let's join together um, in prayer for people that we know of and care for. Thank you. Yes, there'll be a little um, curve.
curve of chairs where you can face away from the noise and focus in on prayer with one another, just in that area over there. We're going to sing this kingdom. That word righteousness is in there and the righteousness is defined by the person of Jesus Christ. I invite you to stand up. Let's sing together. that you renew our focus on your kingdom. Remind us of the miraculous so that we might not let our reverence become complacency. Challenge us to live out your kingdom values, not instinct or influence, and not to wait for you to reach out before we engage. Strengthen us through fellowship and discipline so that we might hunger and thirst for your righteousness. Amen. All right. Well, that concludes our service. Um, if you'd like to sort of hang around for a little bit longer, we're actually sort of going to set up some chairs around the front here. You don't actually have to get prayer or meet up with anybody or, you know, talk about things if you're not wanting to. You're just welcome to stay and uh, linger in the presence of God here. And um, if you would like to sort of have prayer privately, there is uh, the prayer rooms available just at the back of the auditorium as well. Uh, join us, stay for a tea and a coffee. We hope you go into your week in peace. Thank you. Have a good week.